Most folks need to do sort of slow it down a little bit, slow it down to speed up. Welcome to Heart Inspired, the show dedicated to highlighting individuals in their pursuit of authentic leadership. We peel back the layers to uncover the roadblocks we all face, explore the actions we can take, and how to persevere toward the best version of ourselves. I'm your host, Michelle Delgado. In this series, my guests will share how they pushed through the pandemic and other challenges to turn their vision into a reality. Their stories will inspire you to leave self-doubt behind to focus on your goals. Ted Olson is the author of Feel Good About Selling, a book written to help people feel good about selling and to avoid the bad habits that hurt sales. He has trained thousands of salespeople from all different backgrounds and industries. He uses his sales experience to help individuals and organizations with sales, sales enablement, sales training, demand generation, and marketing. He's built sales teams that have broken every record at their respective companies. He's created a unique sales framework methodology called PEP, which stands for Positioning, Exploring, and Presenting. PEP offers a flexible approach based on core selling principles for anyone in sales, whether they like selling or not. When not at work, Ted practices martial arts and homeschools his four kids with his wife, Nicole. They have two dogs, oatmeal and honeybee, and a guinea pig pinball. Please welcome my guest today, Ted Olson. Welcome, Ted. It's so nice to have you here on the show. Glad to be here, Rochelle. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, you know, we've had a couple of conversations over human behavior and, and, you know, people, great resignation and sales and all these things. You've given me some great tips um, throughout our time that we've known each other on social media posts and and selling and everything else. And so I really want to dig deep and find out what your secret sauce is and, mm. and how you approach selling. But before we do that, um, tell us a little bit about your journey and, and how you ended up with the position you are in today as being an author and everything else. Um, yeah. So uh, briefly, you know, I have a pretty eclectic background. So I have like a degree in theology. I have, um, I was a certified professional auto mechanic. Um, I have 20 years of digital consulting. Like I can build websites and write sales copy and all these like weird things that, that are um, sort of hard to, find that trajectory like how did that happen yeah exactly that's that is definitely unique yeah so, so it's funny because i i'll uh, here, here's the trajectory in three sure. i put every i put pretty much everything in threes i made a transition from a 15 year sales career okay into, into the internet and starting to sell things online okay and from there um studying human behavior that got me into sort of the world of psychometrics and understanding how people think and work, uh, which of course is directly related to sales and marketing and sales enablement, all things that I'm passionate about. So it actually came from auto repair because my first job fixing cars was actually talking to the customers. I had to, I had to do discovery with them. Mm. I had to figure out root cause analysis, like what's really happening? When are you hearing that noise, right? Um, and then I had to sell them and I had to upsell them and I had to do proposals and, and all the numbers and everything. So it was, um, it was really solid ground for me to build where I am today. Wow. That's a great foundation. 
So um, when it comes to selling, um, what are some of the motions you feel when you're, when you're doing it, when you're on and it, and it's going well? Um, certainly, uh, well, I, wow, that's a big one. I could go in so many directions. Let me try and scope <laughs> it down. So I would say that I would say my first thought was be human, be real. Like, yeah. like, don't, don't try to, there's a lot of sales systems out there and they're good. The problem with them though, is many are now outdated mm. and they're actually incorporate sales tactics versus just trying to help somebody. Mm. So the motion that I'm always thinking about is how can I help you solve your problem? Yeah. And that is the honor and the um, the privilege of sales is to help somebody get from a place where they don't want to be to where they want to be. And yeah. I think of a professional salesperson as a trusted advisor, um, someone who can help you make a decision that um, will have a positive impact on your life. And so when you're a trusted advisor and you think the conversation's going well, you're not selling them, you're building that rapport, you're building that trust, and you're listening to their their pain points, if you will. Um, how long would you say that cycle is for you where you can get yeah, that, to the point where they really trust you and they're starting to open up? Because sometimes if you don't know somebody, they're a little guarded maybe. They yeah. have to understand that you're the right person to talk to. Yeah, I spend a lot of time coaching um, salespeople, consultants, entrepreneurs to create a safe space. So you need to be someone who is safe. And that is not taught in sales. What you're taught uh, is really tactics. And tactics are just, they're tricks or they're psychological tricks. And anytime I hear the word tactic, a sort of little red flag goes up for me. Yeah. Because people don't like to be, people don't like that. They can feel it. They can sense it. Yeah. So I think you really need to spend time on what what does it mean to be to be real, right? To be human. What yeah. does it mean to uh, actually actively listen to someone? But even before that, to create that space where they feel um, free to speak their mind and not guarded. So how do you help them lower that guard? And there's all kinds of ways that you can do that. You can do that with empathy. You can do that with story. You can do, do that with just being human. Uh, you can do it with a joke. Yeah. Um, and But I think it needs to be done in the service of your prospect to help them move forward, not as a way to get something. That's the difference. Intent, your intent matters. And I think when, I think most people are taught to get things from their prospects. And I think that's not our job. Our job mm. is to actually help them get to where they want to go. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. So when you are in your zone, if you will, and you're, and, and you're building that trust in that conversation, um, in your experience, can you tell us something that has happened where all of a sudden, oops, something went south and it's not going well? And what, what's happening there? What could it have been? Uh, I think assumptions. And um, what I'd call trigger words and trigger phrases 
where I've said something, I'm like, oh, I probably shouldn't have said that, <laughs> right? Because what I did is I put the prospect, I knocked the prospect on their heels. I, okay. I put them on the defensive. Yes. And the, the, the term that they use in psychology is called psychological reactance. And psychological reactance is a fancy term that was, um, oh, the guy's name is Brem, B-R-E-H-M. Okay. And he, he developed this theory and we all know it. It's, it's the theory of when you ask your, your kid to go to bed, they say no. But if you ask them, hey, do you want to go to bed? Do you want mommy to put you to bed or daddy to put you to bed? Well, that's a different question, right? Now they yeah, have a choice. Yeah, yeah. So avoiding psychological reactance is something I spend a lot of times helping people do uh, because I've triggered it a lot in my career. And, I've, and it wasn't until one of my mentors pointed it out and I'm like, oh, you're so right. Yeah. Um, so certain words like um, issues, pain, challenges, you don't, those are words that can actually make people feel defensive. And all you need to do is change it to help me understand your situation. What's happening at ABC Corporation? Yeah. Um, can you unpack your context a little bit better for me? Right. That's great. Those are safer words that yeah. don't um, trigger that psychological reactance, which, by the way, is the feeling of being uh, trapped in the corner, in a corner, right? So yeah. f- pitch yourself being pinned in a corner by a bully. Yeah. And what are you going to do? You have a desire to lash out. You're like, I don't like this. Yeah. That's, that's the reactance part. And so what they do is a prospect will push right back on you. Yeah. And oftentimes you'll never even hear it. It'll, it sounds like this. Um, We'll get back to you. Oh, yes. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> we'll follow up. <laughs> and then it's crickets. <laughs> exactly. Crickets. Yeah. Because you've just been ghosted. Yeah. Note to self. Yeah. <laughs> so when you are in that, when you feel that or when that's happened, any tips that you can offer, anything that you've done where you've actually recovered from that and rebuilt the trust, or is it dead in the water? No, I, I think to be, to, uh, I think that we're, we're, we, we're, we as humans make lots of mistakes and there's lots of sort of accepted norms and conversations. So yep. I, I remember the largest deal I ever closed, uh, my VP of sales was on the call listening in the background and he wrote and made a note. He was making notes, like bullet point notes, just to help me improve. He made 51 points. Was he listening? Yeah. Because to make 51 points, you have to be writing and you can't be writing and listening. <laughs> uh, if, you met, if you met this particular VP of sales, you would, you would, you would know, oh, he could pull that off. Oh, okay. That's, and, a, that's, a, that's a talent. <laughs> yeah, 51 points. And every single one was... Yeah, you're right. I, I I shouldn't have said it that way. I should have done it like this. I mean, I took I learned a ton from that, but mm. the deal still closed because regardless of my mistakes, I was able to help that prospect get to where they wanted to go. Yeah. Um, so I think we we don't want to worry too much about it, mm. but we don't want to c- create objections. Like you're gonna get objections, but let's make sure it's one one you didn't create by either being too aggressive, too assertive, too assumptive. Yeah. Uh, so the way that I the way that I correct it when I catch myself is I'll say something like um like if I say like something I don't like, like does that make sense? Like I hate when I say that because it's such a lame question. Yeah. 
I'll cover it and I'll say, does that make sense? Or am I way out in left field? And that way I've created the safe space for them to correct me. I always want to keep myself in that vulnerable position um, so that my prospect feels safe. That's who needs to feel comfortable during the conversation. Because one of your first points was many people are guarded, especially now. Yeah. Right. So we really need to teach people and transform from being salesy to trusted advisory. Yeah. I'm making words up now. (laughs) Salesy sounds great to me. Um, What are some of, other than being, um, you know, those tactic works, what are some other big no's that you can share that, you know, you've learned throughout your years of selling and have made adjustments to? What are some of the big no-no's when it comes to selling? Yeah, I think one of the biggest no-no's is we, we, so selling is very much a process and that process can take seconds in an internet transaction, or it can be a, you know, a year long, two year long sales cycle. Yes. And what most often happens is what I call happy ears. So a prospect um, tells you, shows you some interest. And what do you do? You get all excited. Oh, I've got a prospect. And what you do is you jump all the way to your solution and you start expounding on how awesome you are, your product is, your company. Mm. And that no is no longer resonating. You've just lost. Mm. Um, they might you might get some nods like uh huh uh huh that's interesting uh huh oh that's interesting, mm-hmm. right? But you haven't taken the time to do two big things. One is understand what the heck matters to them, and yes. two, get provide some real value. Yeah. So real value coming in as that trusted advisor, c- providing insights into their business, helping them to see more clearly, uh, prioritize. Like a lot of people talk about in sales, you've got to get to the pain. You've got to get to the pain. Actually, you've got to get to what matters to them. So mm. a, a, a smart business person might realize they have you know, five different fires at any different time. But just because you can solve one of their fires, it may not necessarily be that important. Or it may, right. be something... it may not be at the top of their priority list. Exactly. So how can you tie it back to the larger business strategy Right. Um, in order to, um, you know, help that cause, because you're much more likely to do what matters to them. Mm. So what matters to them and providing value are usually missing in yeah. most sales conversations. They just, most salespeople get a little bit of interest, stay at the surface. They've got these happy years. Oh, they want to, they want to buy our stuff. Right. Right. And then they end up getting ghosted. Yeah. Or we'll let you know, you know, right. Or they set themselves up for a dog and pony show, right? They don't sell the business conversation. Let's set up some time to see if there's a there there, to see if we can even help. I have no idea. Let's talk. Yeah, that's so important because it is a two-way relationship. And so you don't want to be selling because they have this need and maybe that's not the right fit for you. So you want to make sure it makes sense for both parties. Absolutely. Yeah. And do you find that, um, you know, I've, I've taken a couple of workshops here and there and, you know, born seller, we're, all, we're selling ourselves all the time, right, in some capacity. Do you find that the um, technique of recapping, you know, is this what I understood, is helpful? And if so, do you find that in your experience, they come up with maybe something else that you may have missed? where you didn't hear that is they're looking for a solution for. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> I, I forget who coined the phrase. Um, might have been Sandler or something, but there's mm. it's called the doorknob question. Oh, interesting. Um, so, you know, you're sort of ending the conversation or you're wrapping up one section of the conversation and, you know, a, a, a question like, hey, is there anything else that yeah. it's on your mind that maybe you just want to get off your chest? And yeah. sometimes they just dump, right? Because <laughs> if, if you've created that safe space right, and, you know, that rapport, um, there's a lot of business folks out there that need to talk. They're going going through some really hard times. We're in a world of constant disruption, change, um, and you. I mean, it's just it's really hard right now on so many fronts. Um, but you said specifically the recap, and I love the recap. So the recap needs to be part of your discovery. So after you go through discovery, and I use a very specific framework when I go through my discovery, and at the end of that. I want to stop and ask for permission to say, hey, can I give it back to you to make sure that I'm tracking with you? And then I want to put them in the position to correct me. So I'll say something like, and you tell me what, what I missed. Yeah. Right. So then I Great. give them, I'll, I'll, I'll repeat back what I heard at a high level. Mm-hmm. It only takes about 30 to 60 seconds. And I'll say, did I get that right? What did I miss? And when you nail it, you know it because they're like, no, that's just, yeah, you're absolutely right. That's everything that's happening. Yeah. And I think if you nail it, then they they really that that gives you a couple extra points on the trust and that you are listening intently to them because yes. you haven't you have you've paid attention to their needs. Yeah, for that, sure. That's good stuff. And by um, the way, there's a there's a there's a there's a more advanced motion where you can actually do that recap on the front end. Um, I call it in my book, I call it rapid discovery. So there are certain scenarios that are well-known in specific industries and niches. So like deep dive discovery isn't necessary. It's sort of like I was talking about this on a uh, um, with another sales leader and something like turnover in retail sales or even turnover in retail. It's a known problem, right? You, you still need to figure out what some of the what the specifics are for that particular organization, but you can also come in and just help them completely rethink it. How right? so? That, Tell us more. So it would sound like this. It would be, um, it would be, hey, Michelle, you know, I know you've been with, you know, ABC Retail Corp for 10 years now. You've risen in the ranks. And we all know, um, you know, turnover is a, is a costly, you know, situation for many organizations. And here's what most do, one, two, three. I'm here to tell you that that's helpful, but it's not going to actually move the needle. Here's a mm. different way to think about it. Boom, 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 boom. Mm. And now they're like, oh, tell me more. Right. Right. Um, but you want to give it back to them and say, how does this land with you? Does it seem like it could be helpful in your context, et cetera? And it's a way of sort of, um, I hate to use the word hijacking. But it's it's a way of hijacking discovery to getting right down to the root. So you're right at the root and, and rolling around in that, helping them rethink um, their situation versus the same old, same old, like long drawn out process of questions, 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 which might frustrate them. Yeah. Um, but again, you need to be careful using that. It's a technique that um, I talk about in my book. So it's there if you want to try it. Oh, um, if it works, if it works for your context, 
Uh, but yeah. most folks need to do sort of slow it down a little bit, mm-hmm. slow it down to speed up. Yeah. Oh, very good. Yeah. Very good advice. And so you mentioned something very interesting, and I know we've talked about this before, is, you know, when you're first meeting with them, um, you want to make sure that you're still aligned with what their time is, their goals, what the expectations are of that conversation. So give us a little bit about how you would start that conversation once you've established that you're going to talk to this person about your solutions. So you're just meeting for the first time after you've kind of done a little bit of discovery, they've set up Mm -hmm. the meeting with you. How do you approach that to just immediately start to build that rapport? Yeah, I do four things, and it's a very simple framework. The first is the time check, yeah. which is, hey, Michelle, thanks for carving out some time to chat. I have an hour booked on my calendar. Does that still work for you? Mm. That time check is the most basic setting of expectations. And what often happens is salespeople will be like, oh, thank you so much for talking to me. You know, We probably <laughs> won't need the whole hour. And there, it's just like the subservience. And like, that's not, so sales is about leadership right? This is not, you have to actually help somebody get from A to B. You need to be a trusted guide. If you're there sort of saying in that awkward subservient position, you're, you're, you're already, you've already lost. Yeah. Part two is the first thing I want to do, Michelle, is to learn to to make sure I understand you and your situation by asking you some questions. Would that be okay? Mm, Permission. Yeah. I call that uh, permission to learn. So that's Mm. step two. Step three Everyone hates it. Everyone's afraid of it. It's where you're going to um, drop something different, but then give your prospect an out. So it might sound something like this. Michelle, obviously, I'm in love with my product and services, but it may not be a fit for you. Would you be open to letting me know if it's not a fit at any time? Is that fair? Right? Because what I'm doing there is I want to sort of create some intrigue about my unique approach, my difference, but I want to give you an out because that's just honest. It may yeah. not be for you. And I think a lot of people have trouble with that. They're like, why would I ever want to give my prospect an out? And the reason they're thinking that is because they think they have to control everything. They don't. What they have to do is guide it. Yeah. So part of part of the journey, right? Sales is the is the um it's helping someone on a journey to make a positive change in their life, but you have to allow them to make that decision. You have to yeah. allow them to own it. So I just want to sh- sh- just think of walking down the road. It's like, Michelle, this is where I'm heading, but it may not be where you want to go. And there's a, there's an exit right here. Right. That's, that's just honesty. Yeah. It's uh, just, in the la- more trust, more trust and more permission. It's awesome. Yeah. So it, the, the four part framework creates a safe space. So one time, Two, permission to learn. Three, your unique difference and an out. Mm-hmm. And then four is next steps and confirmation. So you most sales conversations, as we talked about earlier, end with, oh, thanks, we'll let you know. Right? <laughs> the and, dreaded words. <laughs> yeah. And the reason that happens is, is because that expectation wasn't set on the front end. Mm-hmm. So on the front end, it might sound something like this. Michelle, provided what we talk about today lands with you, could we carve out the last five minutes of our time together to work out a next step? Does that sound like a good use of our time? Mm. And what would you add? That's, a, that's great. That's really brilliant. 
There's I like a, that. There's, there's a one, two, three in there. Yeah. Um, and you got to get them all in. Yeah. And that's done at the beginning. It's done at the beginning. It's the last yeah. part of that four-part framework to create that safe space. Yeah. Because it's there's no expectation. If what I talked about didn't land with you, you're free to walk. And yeah. I want you to, because I don't want to be chasing you and wasting my time and energy. Right. I'd rather right. be talking to people who want to use my services, right? Yeah, smart, smart. Yeah. So, Ted, you are now, what you can add to your resume, an author. Yes. Tell us about your book. Yeah. Um, so, my the book is Feel Good About Selling, okay. because quite frankly, I looked around and saw that a lot of people don't feel good about selling. <laughs> and I, I, as I thought about that, I'm like, they're absolutely right. They shouldn't yeah. feel good about it. It's filled with high pressure, manipulation, sales tactics, toxic bravado. It's so mm. it's so much masculinity. It's like, come on. I mean, there's more like references to war in sports and sales than I think any other <laughs> any other um, industry. And that's just not right because what are we really talking about when it comes to sales? We're talking about helping people. Yeah. So how can you be killing it? Right? How can you yeah. be uh, crushing? Right? These words are like, are, did you have a good conversation with someone? Did you actively <laughs> listen? Did you practice empathy? Right? Did you lead them well? Did you guide them well? Did you de-risk the process? That's what selling is. Where are you getting all this garbage nonsense? Yeah. Um, so I think that, you know, I, I, most sales books are written by salespeople for salespeople. I wrote a sales book for people that don't like salespeople. Um, and that is really the, the that would be me. Yeah. And it's not <laughs> that I, it's not that I don't like salespeople personally. Yeah, it's exactly. all of the tactics that have been handed down from generation to generation that just continue to perpetuate. Mm -hmm. I just sort of put my foot down and said, you actually don't need to do any of that. You can actually just be honest. And that's, that's what I lay out, lay out in the book. So how long did it take you to write this book? And I'm looking forward to, I saw that it dropped yesterday, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so um, how long did it take you to come up with this masterpiece of yours? Uh, well, I appreciate you calling it a masterpiece. We are, I am getting good feedback, but you know, That's I want you good. to read it and you, and you tell me. Okay. Um, and if you don't like it, I want you to tell me why. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the feedback so far has been fantastic. Um, and, you know, when the pandemic hit, I realized I had, um, with no commute, we went fully remote at my, at my at the Predictive Index, best company ever. Yeah. And um I had like an hour and a half, two hours extra per day. And so I did two things. One, I learned a martial art. Oh. Um, because I needed to I needed to get my exercise routine down. Like, okay, everything's changed. Yeah. So I'm going to use a little bit of that time to learn a new discipline. And I don't like exercising, but I like martial arts. So I learned okay. a new martial art. And number two, I spent an hour every morning writing. Um, and I had an idea for a book probably three years ago, four years ago. Okay. But it really didn't actually, it took me two years to write the book. Just a long story. I'll keep it short. It took me two years to write the book. It, I probably could have done it in faster time because as I was writing it, I'm working with my wife who is a true author. She has like five books out there. She's a um, expert in the um, child advocacy space. Wow. 
And so she's she's reading it. She's like, honey, you've got two books here. Which one are you going to write? Right. Oh. You're trying to write two books at the same time. And I'm like, I know it's frustrating the heck out of me. She's like, get rid of all this and just focus on the people who don't like salespeople and, you, and you'll find it. Oh, that's great. And as soon as that happened, I sort of was grinding for like a year. Yeah. And then when that happened, boom, it, the, the, the second year was just like, okay, I'm done. Let's just get every. Now it was like, yeah, get the cover design, all of that stuff. Awesome. And so um, I love the title. Did your wife read the book already and have uh, feedback other than when she first told you you were writing two different books there? Yeah, she shredded it. I mean, <laughs> chapter by chapter, she shredded it. She's like, you've got chapter 11 should really be chapter nine. I'm like, oh, yeah, you're right. Oh, that's uh, awesome. Yeah, because some of it was <laughs> some of it was stream of consciousness. Yeah. And what I got really good at over the last 20 years is writing online. Oh, and okay. writing blog posts, writing Twitter posts, writing LinkedIn posts. My wife's like, you're writing a book. You need to write it differently. I'm like, mm. oh. Um, so, you know, you can put out a one-liner on Twitter and everyone kind of gets it. Right. But if you're going to explain the why behind that, you need yeah. to break it down. Yeah. Um, and she she showed me how to do that. Um, so, yeah. She's That's also an educator. Great. So it made her, she's the ultimate editor. <laughs> You were very lucky to have that. Very, very lucky. I yeah. would have had to hire somebody if I didn't have my wife. <laughs> so how actually, is... I did have to trade for that time. So she would be editing my book. I would be cooking dinner. So that was my. Oh well, that's not a bad trade because you have to eat yourself and you know right. feed your family. So there's that. So how has this journey helped you personally uh, with your personal interactions? You know, your selling techniques, the way you build mm. relationships. Um, Tell me about that. You know, one thing that surprised me, Michelle, was when I wrote the book, I was like, well, if I write a book, I'm not going to have anything else to say. <laughs> and, and what I realized was as soon as the book was done and I, I like I had that off my plate. Yeah. My it was like a Christmas tree. I just lit up because while I cover, you know, pretty comprehensively a very robust sales system in the book, it triggered so many new ideas that I am, I, I mean, I, I, let me put it to you this way. I, mathematically, I wrote more six months after I published my book than I did that's in the book. So is that going to be the... Uh, it might be the sequel. Yeah, I was just going to say the sequel? Yeah, p- potentially. We'll see. Oh, um, okay. So I, I, I wasn't expecting that. And I think that I also learned from as a as a sales coach someone who actually coaches people i needed to get way so i'm a can be a high level guy i'm like just do this people like i need the step by step i'm like oh okay um and and that really helped me to be prescriptive and a little more patient because i'm not the most patient person um and the last one i'll say is moving from sort of judgment, sort of this is right or wrong. Yeah. To observation. Oh, interesting. Right. Don't like, let's not put a value judgment on it. Let's just say, oh, I saw that you did this. Tell me why. Yeah. And in my coaching and, and consulting, that has been super helpful. So I'm That's still working great. on that because I can yeah. be very, I have, I have opinions if you haven't figured that out. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, 
in PI, are you a maverick? Uh, in PI, I'm a strategist. Oh, you were a strategist. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So can be very direct. Um, yeah. uh, analytical, but my profile is rather unique where I, I have a bit of a, a captain side because my B is a little bit higher. Okay. So I like to work with people. I'm typically quick to connect, but yeah. I could be an analytical son of a gun pretty quickly, right? I get right down into, yeah, let's, let's get to the point. Yeah, that that's, you know, it's interesting how some of these um, patterns um, interchange or kind of blend. I'm a persuader, but I also mm. love analytics. I love to know the why. I'm, I just told somebody yesterday, I'm like a dog with a bone. If something, if I can't figure something out, I'm just going to keep at it. I may have to take a couple of days to come back to it, but absolutely. Just yeah, dive in deep. <laughs> yeah. Dog with a bone. Yep. So you mentioned something about VET. Mm. Tell us about that. Yeah, the VET framework actually came out of um, a number of conversations where people kept talking about how to handle objections, how to handle objections. And I'm just, I was like, no, no, no. You know, I have my judgment <laughs> hat on. No, 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 no. That, none of that's not going to work. So here's, here's the number one thing that most people don't understand about objections. Okay. There's two, there's two different, di- different dictionary de- definitions. There's the, the, um, the, I don't know what, what the, the description of an objection, which is um, the feeling of uh, there's an emotion, there's an emotional response to something, mm-hmm. right? That's the number one, that's the number one definition. The number two is to object, right? To push back. And, most people in sales use number two. It's like, wait a second. No, actually, number one is the right one. Because all objections, no matter how much they're shrouded in reason, mm-hmm. are an emotional response. So if you yeah. don't respond to the emotion, and by the way, you don't respond to emotions by objecting to them. Stop and think yeah. about that for a minute. Yeah. If you have kids, a spouse, a loved one, if they're sharing a feeling and you object, what will happen? Yeah, they're going to object even more. So that is a way to um, help navigate the emotion. I, I actually despise some of the language in what do they use? What do they use for objections in sales? Battle cards. Are we going to war? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's crazy town. Yeah, no, it's 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 your job to actually help someone overcome their objection. You don't. And, but, and by the way, you don't fight with them. Right. Because you're trying to help them. Right. It's okay to challenge them, but you don't need to do battle with them. And I think the language we use really impacts our approach. So VET helps sort of knock that approach over and say, number one, validate that feeling. That's VET. Number one, validate the feeling. To VET something, by the way, is to really get to the truth, right? Right. So let's VET it. And a VET sounds like, um, hey, that's a fair point. I don't care what their objection is, right? Oh, it's way too high. Price is too high. I don't have the time for this. Hey, that's a fair point. It is a fair point. And that's just validating it. The next one is empathy. Mm. And empathy in a sales context can sound like, hey, I can appreciate why you might see it that way. Right? Fair enough. Just it's not I'm not giving, I'm not rolling over. I'm just validating that feeling. And not apologizing for it either. Exactly. Appreciate versus I'm sorry you feel that way. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry you feel that way is almost an accusation. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so he could say, hey, that's a fair point. I appreciate that. There, just boom, boom. There's, there's, vet, there's, vet, there's the validate and there's the empathy. And the third one is teach. There's a number of T's in teach. Um, and it might sound like this. Uh, hey, it's a fair point. I appreciate that. Are you open to a different approach or are you happy with what you have now? Yeah. Right? So remember, our role is to guide mm-hmm. and we want to give them and show them the path. We have to create that safe space, drop that guard, and we yeah. do that by validating, by empathizing, and then by teaching. Are you open to a different way of thinking about this, or should we part ways here? Right? Are you open Good to a, Are you open to a unique perspective, something a little different? Yeah. Or should we stick with what we're doing? Right? People are going to be intrigued by that. So that helps them say no. To, what do you've got? Yeah. Now there is there is another T in there, which is um, you may need to terminate, right? They may it may not be there may be like no there there, and that's okay. Yeah, it's better to find that out sooner versus later. Very good. Yeah. Very insightful, and you know when you're, I like the fact that throughout all your different um, approaches, and you know in the beginning, is this okay? It's constant. Um, it's constant uh, giving of permission for them to make choices for themselves. And then, you know, are are you open to another way of doing things? It's another. It's a choice. And so, those two things going hand in hand throughout the conversation, it's just brilliant. It just helps build that relationship because even if it's a no at the end, it may be no for now. But they're going to always remember you. And yeah, they're going to remember yes how you later. made them feel. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's really great. So, Ted, this has been real, I mean, eye-opening for me. It's always great to have some refresher on selling and what we should be doing. Tell us about where we can, you talked about that you do some consulting for sales and you also have a blog and then about your book. Where can people find all about uh, more information about you? Yeah, so feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. I would love to connect with you. Um, just mention Michelle's podcast so I know where you're coming from. Yeah. Um, uh, the book is live on Amazon. It's entitled Feel Good About Selling. It should pop right up. Um, there's a paperback and a Kindle version. And then you can go to the website, feelgoodaboutselling.com. So three places, LinkedIn, Amazon, and feelgoodaboutselling.com. Any one of those, you'll find me. That's awesome. Thank you so much. It's been um, really great. I'm sure that my audience will have had some notes to take on your process and your your nuggets of wisdom. And um, it's been wonderful having you here, Ted. And I wish you all the best with your book. And I I plan on picking it up very soon so I can give you my feedback. I'm sure I'm going to like it based on what you shared with us today. And uh, if you start to write another one, let us know. (laughs) Will do. Thank you, Michelle. It was great to be here. Great conversation. Tune in next week. Thank you for listening to Heart Inspired. I'm your host, Michelle Delgado. And don't forget to lean in, be heard, and be inspired. This podcast was created by Heartmetrics Consulting, editing and co-produced by David Castle Productions, and co-distributed by Business Travel 360. 
For more information about Heartmetrics Consulting, visit us at heartmetrics.com. 